0: Welcome to Your Cyber Path, the podcast that helps you get your dream cybersecurity job by sharing the secrets of experienced hiring managers and top cybersecurity professionals with you. Now, on to the show.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Your Cyber Path. My name is Kip Boyle, and I'm here with Jason Dion. Hey, Jason. Hey, Kip. Great to be here again. It's great to be uh, with you. And uh, listen, um, I am about to enjoy uh the wonderful uh summertime experience in Orlando. And I was looking at uh the uh the the weather app the other day and it was 55 degrees at my house. It was 95 degrees at your house. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm ready for this, but I'm gonna do it anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we broke 101 last week. Uh and I thought to myself Kip is really going to be in for it when he goes to Disney with the little kids. Enjoy. I think I'm gonna melt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna melt. Um well, anyway, so uh,
1: listen. Today is episode seventy-seven. It's called "Get Into the Talent Pipeline." What we're going to do today is we're going to welcome two guests to to speak with us, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves here in just a moment. But what we what we really want to talk about today is, first of all, is that we want to give our listeners um the, uh, the the thought about what is a talent pipeline, and why do hiring managers want a talent pipeline? And then once you understand what a talent pipeline is. Then what I would like to do is uh, turn the conversation towards you know some examples of, of a talent pipeline, and we've got some guests who are going to talk with us about what a talent pipeline looks like and how training providers play a role in that. And then we're going to talk with somebody who's actually recently gone through um, uh, you know some some training and and uh, and upskilling with with cybersecurity, and uh, who now is in a talent pipeline. So I think this is going to be a great episode. And so let's go ahead and kick it off. I want to introduce our guests first, uh, Max Shufton. Hey, Max. Hey, Kip.
3: Hey, Jason. Uh, thanks for having us on the podcast today. Uh, I am the Director of Mission Programs and Partnership at the Sands Institute, which is a cybersecurity training and certification organization. Um, been around since 1989. But the programs that I help oversee at Sands have really been focused for the last seven years on closing the cybersecurity talent pipeline and bringing more people into the
1: field. Fantastic. Thanks, uh, Max, for being here. I want to make just a comment about SANS. So I've been involved with SANS either as a student or as an instructor for quite some time now. In fact, uh, my first SANS conference was NetSec 98 in Monterey, California, if you can believe that. And uh, I I think SANS has some of the most fantastic instructors, some of the best uh, content that you you can get when you are a, a security practitioner. And so I think it's really great that uh, that today we're gonna hear about how Sans is helping to get people into the profession, not just uh, you know, uh, helping to trade people who are already in the profession. So Winnie, hi, you're our guest as well. And Winnie, is it Young? Is that the way right way for me to say your your last name? I'm Winnie Young. Winnie Young. Hi Winnie. Hi. Uh, please uh-huh. introduce yourself.
0: Sure. So I uh, graduated from Sam's Institute's Diversity Fiber Academy back in 2021, and now I'm working my first cybersecurity role. Um, I work at a large hospital based in New York City.
1: Excellent. Thank you. Okay. So uh, yeah, so let's, let's talk about talent pipelines. So Jason, you're a hiring manager. I'm a hiring manager. What do you think about uh, when you hear the word talent pipeline? What does that, what does that say to you?
2: Yeah, so when I think about a talent pipeline, I'm thinking about the way we take somebody, you know, either off the street or with little to lower skill level, developing them up for a particular position, and um, then they are able to go into that in that position moving forward. And a lot of times, that's done either in the in that single organization or it's done across organizations. There are some organizations that focus on the preparing people as part of the talent pipeline to then get them hired into a role with some other company, and there's some organizations that do the internal talent pipeline. To build it up for themselves based on their own process and practices in my company right now uh, we have eight people uh, as of monday that are in our talent pipeline uh, from local um, high schools and colleges here in florida that we're working through developing them getting them the skills so that they will some of them will stay with us afterwards but most of them are going to go somewhere else and go to some other company but we're giving them the skills to be able to do that as part of that talent pipeline and and be able to start building them up to start filling some of these cybersecurity skills gap uh, jobs that are out there,
1: but what do you think, Kip? I think that's absolutely correct. I uh, I also want to add that um, what, talent pipeline is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Not just for my own company, because I'm also a small business owner and I've got a team of people, um, and I'm and I'm having to pay attention to talent pipelines a lot. But also because I lead a open source project called the Cybersecurity Hiring Manager Handbook, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes, but the whole handbook was uh, was designed and written by uh, about fifty hiring managers that are working in cybersecurity, and and we really took a, a talent pipeline approach. Everything from uh, like how do you how do you design uh, a program or a culture for your team that is going to attract people who are going to want to work for you, even though they could they're talented enough possibly to work for anybody that they wanted to, but why you right? Why would they opt into your Program. What is it about your talent pipeline and your working um, environment that it would track attract people? And and so the ha- the handbook talks about uh, how do you you know think through those things. Uh, how do you how do you prepare to go out into the market and, and find people, whether they're uh, maybe folks who are starting out, like you know we're going to talk about uh, Winnie's situation here in a few minutes, or or even if it's a, a, a mid career or a senior career person, a hiring manager has to think about. Um, all aspects of their talent needs, um, retention, and then eventually departure. Like you said, sooner or later, you know, people are going to want to leave. And, and maybe that's because like, hey, I'm ready to retire. I don't want to work for anybody anymore, right? It could be, you know, it could be that, or it just could be like, I don't find this environment challenging enough, or, you know, I just want new challenges, whatever it is. And so, um, yeah, so when you think about a talent pipeline, you got to think all the way from the beginning of the pipeline all the way through the day when, when somebody leaves. And so anyway, I invite people who really want to dig deep into this, this, uh, this idea of a talent pipeline and all the little details in it to go check out the hiring manager handbook. And you know that's kind of like reading the secret manual to hiring. If you're looking for a job, right? I mean, you should be reading this handbook so you understand what's going on on the other side of that table.
2: Yeah, most of certainly. And I, I think the other big thing when it comes to talent pipelines is it's really difficult for an organization to forecast their needs for particular skill sets, especially with the rapid change in innovation and digital disruption that's been happening. Um, we see this right now as we're filming this. It's the summer of 22, and there is a massive um, shortage of people to fill key roles. Uh, and some of that is because there's been a growth in those key roles. And a lot of it has been the great resignation we've heard about over the last two years of People going, hey, I don't want to go sit in an office from nine to five every day and, and mm-hmm. do the boring thing for you know $10 an hour. I want to do something more exciting. And so we're seeing this, this, this big gap between what is needed and what we have. Um, and as an organization, especially large organizations, um, you know, I come from the military background, they're trying to plan out what are they gonna need in five years, 10 years, 15 years. And it's really hard to, you know, read the tea leaves and, and do that kind of guessing that far out. And, you know, if I need somebody who has 15 years of experience as a, you know, E8 in the Navy, for instance, um, I can't hire them yesterday. I have to hire them 15 years ago and do all that talent and development to get them to that 15-year point. Uh, in the civilian world, it's a little bit easier because you could say, oh, there's this 15-year guy who's getting out of the Navy. Let me hire him. And now I've got this 15-year experience person. Uh, but, but those are some of the things that you think about when you start thinking about how does your organization attack talent management? And are you doing it from a, a, a pipeline where somebody's gonna start out at the mail room and work their way up to CEO? Or are we gonna let people jump in at the middle with certain skill sets? Right. And, and you know, you can do that a lot based, based on the training Mission award either. Or are we going to
1: partner with an organization like SANS, right? So, Max, let's talk about how your organization plays a role in the talent pipeline, like sort of like the bigger picture talent pipeline, right? Because you're not just thinking about one employer for your programs are you like you know so talk to us about you know how do you guys think about your role in the talent pipeline
3: yeah we we see sands as part of the solution to help close the talent pipeline it's not the all solution nor should it be but we see sands as a conduit by which people can gain the skills they need to be able to perform jobs on day one whether that's at an entry level or a more advanced level or an intermediate level and for these types of programs it's typically at that entry level um so about seven ago our founder uh, had the idea of had been talking with some folks in the U.S. Air Force who had communicated a lot of uh, individuals had a military occupation and communications but couldn't translate that into a civilian job in cyber and so they came up with the idea of this program vet success where using an aptitude test using some interviews to gauge people's passion and dedication Um, if we found folks with high aptitude problem solving ability things like that as well as the dedication They could go through several industry training courses, starting at the entry level and maybe going into incident handling or security operations, uh, get the associated certifications to prove they've mastered those skills to employers, and get jobs in security. Um, So we tried that out in 2015 as an idea. Um, We had about 80 applicants from the U.S. Air Force who were transitioning out, 18 folks got selected for the program, and all 18 got certifications, but more importantly, all 18 ended up with jobs in cybersecurity. Typically security analyst, stock analyst type roles, 70 to 100K salaries, um, a few a little higher, a few a little lower. But generally, we saw that this model could, you know, we were on to something. If you can find people with that mindset, and with that passion, and train them up, you can bring them into the field. And so over the last six years, since 15, we've really focused on adding more programs, focused on diversity, equity, inclusion, um, some in Sam's name, some with partners where they wanted to start their own programs using this model. Sometimes they're using SANS training, sometimes SANS training and other trading providers as well. But the whole idea of to fill the gap, we can't just have employers hire from each other. We need to bring net new folks into the field. And if you can find them with aptitude and find them with passion, they're likely going to do well.
1: Yeah. And um, you you guys have a number of like, so first of all, uh, you have a number of programs. So first of all, is it called Vet, Sus- Vet Success? Is that right? That was the first academy program we started. Yep, back in twenty eighteen. Right. Okay, so just so you know, you're 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 on a podcast now with at least two other veterans. I don't know if you're are you a veteran. I am not. No. Okay. Well, well, Jason and I were in the military. We were on active duty, and you know we definitely pay attention to um, all these different programs to help military members transitioning. Right. So, um, Jason, what's the name of the? Uh, uh, is it Skills Bridge? Is that one of the other ones?
2: Yeah, so the the newest program, uh, there's two new programs out there. The newest one is SkillBridge, DoD SkillBridge. Um, and in fact, I have four people on my team right now that are on DoD SkillBridge. Um, and this is a program that for the last six months, somebody is in the military. They can go work at a civilian company to start closing that cal- that talent gap, right? So I've got um, two Air Force, one Army, and I think one Marine. I'm uh, sorry, one Navy guy on, on our staff. Uh, that are currently on the SkillBridge program, and they you know come to work just like any of our other employees. They get training, they get certifications. Uh, we help them learn how to be developers or cybersecurity analysts. And then at the end of the six months, we can either hire them on or help them get placed into another role. That's one of the the big programs out there now. It's a really great program uh, for anybody who's an employer out there. You should definitely look into it because it's a great way to help service members as well as help their own company because you're you're not paying their salary for that six months. The military is they're still active duty folks. Getting their active duty entitlements and pay, but they're working for you every day. That's that's their job for that last six months. And then the other program that's out there right now, which probably stands, I'm, I'm guessing, is probably a part of it, is called Vet Tech, uh, which is through the Veterans Affairs Association, and that's for people who have already separated out of the military um, and are either you know disabled or honorably discharged veterans, um, and that helps them go through uh, different talent pipelines to gain certifications, industry credentials, degrees, and things like that. So in a technical role, so they can get one of these cybersecurity type jobs that are out there.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, thank you for mentioning that. So Max, if you don't know about VetTech, have you heard of that before? I have, yeah. Um, I won't get into my new show. We are not part of the
3: VetTech program. We've collaborated with vet Tech, With SkillBridge and TAP, uh, we have also collaborated and we've formally partnered with individual installations. Partnering with that program nationally is a little trickier. Um, because there's certain types of like standardization you have to have, and whether it's online or in-person training, and we like to have flexibility there. So what we've ended up doing is partnering formally a certain bases, and then
1: doing more of like cross-promotional activities with the two programs writ large. Well, that's uh, that's fantastic. I'm glad to see that you're involved somehow. That SANS you know, is is playing a role in there. Uh, so anyway, so if you're listening to this podcast and you are a veteran, whether you're uh, wanting to prepare yourself for your separation from service or maybe you're already separated and you're just trying to figure out how to, uh, you know, uh, get into your next thing, uh, the big takeaway for you is there's a talent pipeline and there's lots of programs to help you get into uh, a talent pipeline. So uh, so let's talk about some of the other SANS uh, programs, Max. So you were mentioning to me before, like one of the very basic things you guys offer is uh, called Cyber Aces, is that right?
3: Yeah, so this actually even predates the academies. Um, we have a, a free open course or a massive open online course that they often call the MOOC for short um, called Cyber Aces Online. I think it's at sans.org slash now. And it's really just about 25 to 30, depending on your pace, free uh, hours of free training and networking, sysadmin and operating systems, kind of the core building blocks in IT that relate to cybersecurity. Um, years ago, that was part of you know various competitions and state-based initiatives. But around 2014, we decided that it was just going to be kind of an open library. You know, anyone who wanted to access this training could. You don't have to have a SANS account to access it. You could just watch the videos on YouTube, download PDFs that go with it, do labs at home, and and start to kind of, you know, make your way toward this field. And we see that as a great tool to bring people toward the field, um, you know, and, and encourage them to pursue further training, education, or careers.
1: Yeah. So, you know, Jason and I talk with people who are trying to move into cybersecurity all the time. and. And uh, you know, there's this great sort of catch twenty two where it's like, in order to get a job, you have to have experience, but in order to get experience, you have to have a job. And so, you know, we're always looking for programs that we can recommend to people uh, on a self study basis or whatever. And one of the things that I tell people is, you know, there's a lot of virtual internships out there. Um, you you know, Cyberasis isn't a isn't an in, uh, an internship, but it, but it is a program where you're going to learn some practical things. And I encourage people to put these uh, accomplishments on their LinkedIn uh, profile, right? Just to kind of help uh, make it clear to potential employers that, hey, I'm serious, I've got, I'm have got, i highly engaged, right? I'm passionate, because I think that's one of the really, really key ingredients for a great uh, person that you want in your uh, talent pipeline. Um, so Winnie, would you remind me, uh, when you went through SANS, you went through the, uh, a diversity, equity, and inclusion program, is that right?
0: Yeah. The uh, diversity cyber academy. All right,
1: diversity cyber academy, great. Could you tell us a little bit about what that was like for you?
0: Sure. Um, so uh, that the cyber uh, the cyber academy includes, I think it's about, you've got six months to take three SANS courses and it's corresponding certifications. Um, the first two courses are like prerequisite courses. Uh, I believe the first one was Security Essentials, and the second one was—I uh, forgot the title—but it's the Incident hand- the SANS Incident hand- Handling Course, and the third one was an elective. And I had a hard—I ch- had a hard time um, choosing one, but I went with the Web App Penetration Testing Course.
1: Oh, excellent. Okay, and it took you—you uh, you said that's uh, six months of of work. Is that right?
0: Yeah. So two months for each course, two months to actually get all the material done and uh, take the certification exam. But of course, uh, you know, if you needed more time for whatever reason, the program would give it to you. Were,
1: were you moving through the co- the program in more of a cohort or on your own?
0: So this was the SANS, um, I believe the on-demand course. Uh, so it's basically all like self-study. So you had a cohort, but... You know, everybody's doing things on their own time. So it's like you're studying together or watching videos together.
1: Oh, okay. And were you working full-time while you were doing that?
0: No. I. So I was actually um, laid off from my job um, pre-pandemic. Mm. And so during that time, uh, I took some time to, like, evaluate my where I wanted to go next in my career, um, and so I have um, a friend whose uncle works in cybersecurity and he was joking that him and his team were literally picking people off the streets because there was such a shortage of talent. So I was like, Oh, cybersecurity, that sounds interesting. Um, and that's how I started getting into it.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, well, congratulations for, for getting through. I, I'm interested to know after you uh, finished uh, the Academy, what, uh, you said you, you're you're working now. Could you tell us about your the job that you have now? And, and you said it was um, that you're uh, employed in a, a medical center or a hospital. Is that right?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I'm a cybersecurity analyst. And as you might know, that title is going to vary so much across companies. Um, but what I do is uh, there's mostly like security operations. So that would be. Uh, checking out alerts, um, responding or investigating phishing emails, um, and dabbling in other projects as needed. Um, I feel like our team is more like on the all the scrappier side. It's not nothing is super bureaucratic, and I think I like it that way.
1: Oh, that's cool. So, Jason, it's so funny that uh, that when he would s- say that about the the job title, right? Didn't didn't we
2: just record an episode about that? We, we did within the last couple of weeks. And if it's not out yet, it's coming out in the next week or two. Um, But yeah, we did talking about how, you know, what does the job title mean? It means everything and it means nothing, right? Because <laughs> this really depends on where you work and the same job title. We actually use cybersecurity analyst as an example, we pulled up, I think it was three different cybersecurity job uh, uh, postings on LinkedIn. And we kind of went through like, Hey, these are three different companies. This is what they think cybersecurity analysts mean. They all have the exact same job title, but they meant vastly different things. So it's it, it, it's interesting that you brought that up. Uh, yeah. The question I had for you, Winnie, was uh, what was the process for you to get into the SANS program? Was it like an application process? Was there a cost involved? Or, or how did that work from your perspective as a student?
0: Um, the application process, it started with, um, answering like series of questions, getting through that. I think that taking, um, like a short assessment that had to do with like probably problem-solving critical thinking skills, there also might've been, it's been a while. So, um, I don't remember exactly. I think there was also a more, a short, like cybersecurity focused, like assessment. Um, and then after that, there was a, there was also, um, like a pre-recorded video interview, and then a full interview with somebody at SANS.
2: And then from the SANS side, uh, Max, is there a cost associated with that program? Or is this like a scholarship thing where you're going through the 100 people who apply and picking out the 20 best applicants to, to fill those seats?
3: It's the latter. So these programs are scholarship-based. Um, this one, the Diversity Cyber Academy, is funded by SANS. There are other programs you'll see out there like the WESA Security Training Scholarship where various private companies help fund them as well. Um, but yeah, they are all scholarship-based. The big cost to the participant is their time um, because, you know, as what he said, doing three courses and three certs in six months is no easy feat. You know, the average standard commercial employer would give a student four months to just do one cert. So this is a, you know, it's, it's called the Immersion Academy for a reason. It's definitely an intensive process.
2: And you just mentioned WESA, and uh, some people may know what that is, some people may not. Oh, sorry. You're afraid to do women in cybersecurity, right?
1: Yeah, women in cybersecurity, the nonprofit. Word. Yep. This one. Yeah, and we've had somebody from uh, from uh, Wesus on um, on our podcast, right?
2: Um, we, um, uh, about two, three months ago, it was. I'm
1: guessing right. Lynn, maybe, or Anne No, actually, uh, she is, um, her name's Nancy Hunter. This was episode 69. And Nancy is the vice president and chief. Uh, information security and privacy officer at the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia. She's really in, she's really inspiring. Um, if anybody wants to listen to episode 69, just go to yourcyberpath.com and forward slash podcast forward slash 69. And you'll be able to listen to the podcast and read a transcript of the podcast if you'd rather do that. But yeah, Nancy was super inspiring. And I thought she had a lot of really fantastic Advice and and was a just a very open person about hey we want to you know we want to help women uh, succeed in cybersecurity and um, you know so please reach out to a, a WESIS, uh chapter right in your area and and get involved. So yeah,
2: those yeah. we- oh, go good. <laughs> I was going
3: to say Wises is a great org. Um, the way that program came about is we've worked with Wises for a while to just promote our our standard SANS Women's Academy and diversity academies. And the leadership at WESIS came to us and said, you know, we want to start a different program. We, we do want some of the top performers on, you know, with aptitude to get advanced training, and that can be a group of 20 or 30 people. But we want to have something where 1,000 people can sign up and all get something out of it. So this program called the, the WESIS Security Training Scholarship made possible by Google, Bloomberg, and Facebook, uh, which is a mouthful. I just call it the WESIS program for short. Um, it's a multi-stage program. So everyone who signs up gets to play a CTF. Very beginner level in nature. So, the first half of the CTF, you need a, need a virtual machine. You're using like developer tools in your browser, trying to find little, you know, co- uh, anomalies in the page code and things like that, um, using doing Caesar ciphers, using external websites. But then, you know, so everyone gets that stage. And then, various stages later, students get to play more games. Some get to take some foundations training. And then at the end, they do have the kind of academy mo- model where those who do the best in those previous stages get to take three or four training courses.
2: Awesome. And so the, the program, uh, for instance, that Winnie went through, um, you know, she went through the application process. She was selected through the scholarship program. She got to go through and do those three courses. Uh, after they finished the three courses, um, is there some kind of support or help from SANS to help them find a job? Or, Winnie, did you just have to find this hospital on your own? Or how did that work for you? How, how were you able to land that job? Because I hear often, uh, it sounds like, Winnie, you didn't have any prior cybersecurity experience. You just got the SANS training for three to six months. And I hear a lot from our, 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 from different students and listeners that, hey, I got the certs, but I can't get into, I can't get a job, nobody wants to hire me because I have no experience. So h- how did you overcome that?
0: Well, I should also say that um, I was also attending another boot camp at the same time. So that's like an you know, additional resources and like additional opportunities for networking. Um, so I did have, um, the career center at SANS to help me, and also at the other boot camp. Um, so, but a lot of um, a lot of the job searching I did myself, and then if I had more uh, specific questions about how to handle interviews, or if I needed interview practice, um, that's when I would reach out to the San's career center.
2: And from the San's career center, um, Matt, can you speak a little bit about that? What is that? What does that provide a candidate?
3: Yeah, so you know, for all these programs, the different academies, different names, scholarships, um, we don't we, we aren't able to guarantee a job, right? Because we're not an employer. Um, but what we'll say is, you know, over nine and ten of our graduates do get jobs in cybersecurity. Sometimes that's you know working on their own. Sometimes that's working through the Sands Career Center. So sometimes it's using other you know education they're going through to to do networking. Um, but what the Career Center is really focused on is helping position the students the best they can to get a job. So. Resume review, you know, uh, practice interviews, sometimes with the career center professionals, sometimes we'll bring out past program graduates who could do like a mock interview. Um, the group's going through the program, though they are pretty asynchronous. They do have an assigned mentor who's a, a current professional in the field who can, you know, help out with that a bit as well. Um, and then the last thing, and this might have come after Winnie had graduated, we added a, a platform called Handshake to the program, which is a really cool tool for connecting students with employers looking for entry level technology talent.
2: And this um, career center is only available to those who are taking SANS courses or is in one of those SANS programs, right? For, for
3: the academies, yes. And then we also, SANS.edu, recently launched some undergraduate programs. So they have access to the same career center. So the, the biggest benefit of that at the end of the day is we went from a team of one career services professional to three um, with some more platforms available. So we've kind of got these undergraduate students on the edu side and then the org side the academy students all using the same team and
1: platforms awesome okay excellent and then winnie you um you've been in your job now uh as a cybersecurity analyst for for how long
0: uh for about three months
1: Three months. Oh, you're you're fresh. <laughs> uh, what's but ninety days is a good amount of time to really get a, a feel, right, for what's going on.
0: What do you find the most challenging? Oh, for sure, understanding the environment, um, especially because I'm new to um, healthcare, also. Mm. So there are a lot of things in that space that I haven't quite gotten a grip on yet. Um, working and also working remotely has. I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, it's great. I'm never going to complain about it. The only downside is it does make make that more challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, Not seeing what other people and other teams are doing, um, et cetera. Like not even, like not seeing the medical equipment even.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cybersecurity and healthcare is really challenging uh, these days. And um, for a lot of different reasons, I won't try to unpack, but... um, I want to roll back for a moment about since you've since you've been there for ninety days, I want to ask you about uh, the job hunt. Um, you mentioned that when you were when you you know all different things that you did on the job hunt, how did you find this one particular opportunity, and what was it like going through the interview process?
0: So I found that job through um LinkedIn um. And the interview process was—it's funny because a week prior to the interview for the job that I had now, I had another interview that went pretty badly, mm. um, and so I was. So when this interview came out, I was like, "Oh!" But then I actually was much more comfortable. Um, I guess that experience had primed me. Um, I think honestly, the best practice for that sort of stuff is just to do it make mistakes and learn from it.
1: Definitely, yeah. I think getting a job is uh, involves a lot of experiential learning because there's just no substitute for getting out there and just trying. And failure is, a, is not fun, but it's a wonderful teacher, right? I mean, it, <laughs> you'll pay attention to the lessons that failure teaches you more than you'll pay attention to any other lessons uh, that come at you. Uh, on the networking piece, you know, Jason and I talk to people all the time about how important it is to To meet people and um and, and to put you know get yourself out there, um, uh, ideally meet hiring managers or meet people who work for hiring managers. Were you able to make connections like that?
0: Yeah, so um in one of the other boot camp that I attended, I reached out to somebody who like graduated from that program, and I was like, hey, what was your experience like? What are you doing now? Um, and that's how we became friends. and she's not like, officially my mentor or anything, but I definitely do look up to her. So I think if you're not part of um, a community like that, I think it's even more important for you to take initiative and find people like that. And I don't mean like standing below, but, you know, becoming someone whose career you're specifically, you're interested in and having specific questions for them. So you're not just like, hey, how do I get a job? Yeah, that's a little...
2: I, I know we've talked about this one before too, but you know, what, what's your favorite way to ask somebody if uh, if they'll be your mentor or to to you know answer some questions for you?
1: Uh, you're you're asking me, Jason. Yeah, I, I know you've covered it before, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, like when he says, you know, what you don't want to do is walk up to them and say, "Hi, will you be my mentor?" <laughs> I mean, that's that's just too transactional. You don't want to do that. It's awkward and uncomfortable for everybody. If you think you felt, you would feel awkward and uncomfortable doing it that way, imagine what it would sound like if you heard that from somebody. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, just think of it as, as, as any relationship, anybody that you'd like to get to know, right? Um, look for common interest. That's the first step. Look at their LinkedIn profile. If this is somebody who has spoken publicly, if they have YouTube videos or um, if they have a blog. Watch the videos, read the blog. find something in common. It could be it could be something like having gone to the same school or having read the same book. It really doesn't matter, but just find something that you have in common and then reach out to them and talk with them about that thing that you have in common and um, and just see if there's a fit. And if there is a fit, the conversation will go from there and um, and and don't ask them, uh, you know, uh, flat out for, will you give me a job?" Uh, that's in a request tour. Rather, what you would say is, uh, "Hey, I'm looking for a position. This is the position that I would like to get. Um, do you know anybody who is uh, trying to hire somebody with my skill set?" Or you could say, "This is the job that I want to get. What advice do you have for me so that I can become an irresistible candidate to a a hiring manager?" Right. So you that's the way you want to do it. It's really a what I would call a soft ask. Uh, you're going to be way more successful with that. Would you add anything, Jason?
2: Yeah, I was going to say, the only other thing I would add is that what I've seen work really well is people like to talk about themselves. So if you find somebody who is, what I always look for to mentor, somebody who is one to two steps ahead uh, doing the thing that I want to do. So I would find somebody like that and would say, hey, I see that you are in XYZ position. Uh, I'm hoping one day to be in that position too. Can you tell me about how you got there? Uh, I'd love to buy you a coffee for 15 minutes and just hear your story, right? And invariably, when you do that, they're going to talk for about 10 to 15 minutes during that thing because people love telling their own stories. They love talking and hearing their own voice. I mean, that's why we do this podcast, right, Kip? Because we love to talk.
1: Um, <laughs> Great. Now I'm outed. I can't over, do this podcast anymore with you. <laughs> yeah. But over, the,
2: over those uh, you know, cups of coffee and stuff, you know, you can build that relationship. And that could turn into where they go, oh, you know what? I heard my buddy over at XYZ for is hiring. Maybe be a good fit for that. Um, uh, but by by doing that in a in a real natural, I really want to hear about what you did because that way I can emulate it myself. Um, I, I found that to be very effective. I, I know for me, I get asked at, at least five times a day, um, hey, tell me how I can get into cybersecurity, right? Um, and, you know, or will you review my resume? Will you and it's like, no, I I don't have time. I can't do that for everybody. <laughs> so every resume interview I do is, you know, 30 to 60 minutes. And I right. day, I would get nothing else done. Um, yeah. Makes me go good. call Kip, Jason says, right? But don't, I call, don't call Jason. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, if you had called me up and said, you know, hey, I'd really like to hear how you got your first cybersecurity job. Um, you know, I'd probably be like, yeah, let me, I, I have to grab coffee anyway. Let's just go down the street, grab some coffee. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I find those kind of, if you can get them out of the business sense and, you know, do it over lunch, do it over coffee, tea, whatever your yeah. choice is. It tends to bring the guard down a little bit, and you're going to be able to ask questions along the way as they start saying, well, I got my first job because I got this cert. Well, do you think that cert is still important these days? No, that was 20 years ago. Nobody cares about that cert anymore, right? Now they all care about this cert, right? Uh, or whatever it is. And as you're going through hearing their story, you kind of ask those questions and get gain the information.
1: That's fantastic. And actually, I don't know if you realize that you probably do, but you've actually pulled a chapter out or at least one chapter out of, of called how to win friends and influence people. By Dale Carnegie, and I I recommend that book uh, to people who are just struggling with this idea. Of, right? How how do I even begin? There's a lot of people that have social anxiety, and they just don't know how to do this. And uh, so, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. Uh, so, you know, we're coming to the uh, end of our uh, time here on the episode. Um, I would like to give uh, Winnie and Max uh, a last, uh, you know, an opportunity for a last word. So, Winnie, what would you, uh, what advice would you do for somebody who's listening to this episode right now and is trying to break into cybersecurity and they don't know what the next step is? What, I mean, what, what would be a good next step for them? Well,
0: I would, t- I would tell them that cybersecurity a world is so bad. There's, there's a place for everyone. Um, you know, if you don't come from a technical background, you don't need to feel uh, intimidated. I mean, these are things that you can learn. Maybe you just haven't had the chance to learn. Maybe the way that you have learned it possible is effective for you. But there is definitely a way. Um, and you know, even if you don't know what the next step is, just don't overthink it. Just keep doing things because if you, after a year passes, you'll be able to rate progress and everything will m- make much more sense so yeah just keep going at it um keep learning things keep talking to people um, and don't and don't be too hard on yourself
1: thanks winnie so, so max one of the people do is connect with sans right if they would like to get some some training uh to get some skills so what so max same question to you if somebody's listening and they don't know what their next step is you know what's your suggestion
3: Yeah, my my suggestion would be a be persistent. What I mean by that is, you know, kind of echoing a little bit what you said, you know, find different avenues for learning, whether it's applying to one of these sand scholarship programs, whether it's doing something like try hack me or learning on YouTube using cyber aces, which you talked about, Um, all of those different types of endeavor will help you gain some knowledge and employers, whether you go through a SAMS training program or another vendor certification, at the end of the day, they're going to not just ask you about your certifications. They're going to want to know what you've been doing to try to get in the field. You know, how have you been spending your time? What new are you keeping up with looks or podcasts that you're following? Um, what open course learning are you doing online? And so if if you take an action and you're persistent and you're tenacious, you'll you'll find the pathway into this field, um, you know, because hopefully we can get to the point of one day where I don't know if it was was uncle's friend who said, you know, they were just hiring people out the street. Uh, hopefully, at one point, we won't be doing that. There'll be enough graduates coming through rescaling and talent pipeline initiatives
1: to fill the open roles. Yeah, this is a time in the in the in this career field's history where not only is the demand high, it's been high for years, but I've never seen so many organizations and so many resources being made available to help people, whether it's scholarships or specific programs. You know, Winnie, I think, did a wonderful job of availing herself of scholarships and programs. Um, but there's just so much out there for for people. And um, so yeah, definitely go uh, see what's available and take full advantage of it. Uh, I've talked enough. Jason, do you have a last word for us?
2: No, I mean, I think we've covered it all. I just wanted to thank uh, Max and Winnie for joining us today on the podcast. I think they uh, showed us uh, some, some great programs that are available and some great Alternative ways to get into the industry. If you are starting out, you're like, "Hey, I've got no experience. I don't know where to start. Um you know there's some some great places you can start. and um, going through some of these programs that have these career services to help you try to land that first job is helpful. Um, uh, but just remember it's you know, as, as Max and, and Winnie even said, um the Sans career Institute is great, but they're not going to place one hundred percent of the candidates. That's not their role. Their role is to help people get trained up, and you're gonna have to do a lot of that work, just like Winnie did to find those open positions, apply for those open positions, and then get, get hired into those open positions. So uh, good news is here in 2022, there's a huge demand. So there is a lot of open positions available. Um, and you'll probably hear no, you know, 10, 50, 100 times before you hear yes, but there's a position for you. Um, so, you know, keep applying and, and keep working towards that. Uh, that said, uh, as, as with every episode, you can check all of the episode notes at yourcyberpath.com slash the episode number. Uh, and you can also go to YourCyberPath.com to sign up for KIPP's Mentor Notes. Uh, KIPP's Mentor Notes are a great email resource that comes out every other week. Uh, it gives you different information on different news events that are going on. They're very short. They're very practical. And they'll keep you in the loop of what's going on in the cybersecurity industry. So I recommend going to YourCyberPath.com and signing up for those Mentor Notes today. Other than that, we will see you next time on Your Cyber Path.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Your Cyber Path. Don't miss an episode, press the subscribe button now. If you would like to learn more about how to get your dream cybersecurity job, then be sure to visit yourcyberpath.com where you can access the show notes, search the archive of our top tips and tricks and discover some fantastic bonus content.